to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome once again to Freedom to Choose and our series Parables and Object Lessons. And if you're keeping score at home, this is program number 20 in Parables and Object Lessons. And before we get started, as usual, Susan, would you open with a word of prayer? Yes, I will. Loving Father in Heaven, thank you once again for um, your word and and how you communicate so clearly to us. Help us to learn something new today. We thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's the thing. You can always learn something new. Yeah. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about God's word. And, and, and the other thing is, is that he's so what eternal that we will never know it all. Never know it all. So for those of us that know it all, that's a really discouraging thought that we'll never know it all. You know what I'm saying? And the thing, the beautiful thing is, is that the, that the more, you know, the the more more, you know, you you don't know. And the more you know, you don't know. And there is the more there is to know. Yeah. What is it? Spiritual growth is not done by addition. It's done by subtraction, right? right? By, by, by denying self and everything that I thought I knew wrong right because we uh you know things are spiritual they're not on a human plane and and you know we're going to get to heaven and god is going to say oh you too (laughs) you know you you guys really 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 messed it up but you know what you did you had good uh good intentions and did the best you could yes yeah (laughs) so so we're camping on the prodigal son here for a while maybe we would we did it last program. We're probably going to do this program. Well, we are going to do this program, and we may do another one on it, too, because there's just so much. And just like most of the programs uh, that we do here on Freedom to Choose, it's, it's once again, it's not about the son that left. It's not about the son that stayed home. It's not about David. It's not about Solomon. It's not about Moses. It's about the God who flipped these guys around and got a hold of their hearts, like Paul, like Peter. He just grabbed hold of their hearts. and Well, they they were willing to surrender their hearts, Mm -hmm. willingly. Yeah. And God is there with open arms to say, I've been waiting. Yep. Yep, I've been the father, for and, and, and this is a classic example because the father in this story is waiting. Yes, he's waiting. He's looking down the road. He's waiting for this. Isn't son. that an incredible it's um, a, what picture, a picture of who God is? Yeah, he says, "If you if you want to waste your life, I'll let you waste I'll your life. I'll let you go. I'll let right. you go. But if you want to come back, I'm looking down the road for you. All it takes your choice. Right. You know, Jesus asked the blind man, "What is it you want?" Blind man said, "I want to see." Mm-hmm. Jesus, said, "Oh, I can help you with that." Right. You know, I mean. What a God. I know. You know he, I mean, it's, it's kind of scary to say he'll honor our choice to destroy ourselves, but that love 
love has love, to be freely received and freely given. Right. It can't be forced upon no, somebody. It's just by the nature of the definition of the word love. Right. I mean, you have to be able to choose to love. Absolutely. You can't force someone. That is not forced love. There's another word for that, right. you know? And and I love it because God allows each one of us to have the um to have that love relationship in the way that we're capable of. Mm-hmm. And if we desire it to grow, he allows us to grow at our own timing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's not a you have to know this by now and and accept this, that, and the other thing. I think that he's very gentle with us as human beings. And he, you know, I know that last time we talked about how he had washed Judas's feet, and he also washed Peter's feet, and he yeah. washed the rest of the disciples' feet because they too, you they know, were turned all in away. run mode. Yeah, they, they were all, all turned away from him, but God kn- knew exactly what each one of them needed. He mm-hmm. knew they were afraid, mm-hmm. and so what does he do? He washes their feet, and then for him to go on, what a display! Mm-hmm. You know, when he went to the cross mm-hmm. about his forgiveness mm-hmm. and what he what he is willing to give in order for us to see a correct picture of God, and then not only that, but what sinful human beings will do when they're taken over by Satan mm-hmm. and how they will treat. Yeah, and he and not only did he say to the disciples, "Pray for your enemies." But when he looked like the biggest loser hanging on the cross, what was he doing? Praying for his enemies. Right. He practiced what he, he preached. Practiced what he preached. So, right. so you know, God's the real deal. Right. He is the real deal. Right. And uh, you, make no mistake. And and that that was the greatest lesson of all was that he was willing to um, give his life that we could live. Yeah. You know, willing to let go of that, that nature mm-hmm. that we all, that we, we, you and I struggle with on a daily basis. Yeah. He was and able you to could lay see that how down. he struggled with it in Gethsemane. Right. Father, you know, hey man, if there's any other way to do this and, uh, not my will, I'm, I'm going to crucify self. And so it, that's kind of what the, the lost son kind of battled with, right? Mm-hmm. Was choosing his own way and just really exercising his own will to to live to whatever he wanted to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. So we'll start. We're going to look at the first part of the parable, and then we'll move on. So we're just going to start with the first part. It says, Jesus went on to say, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger son, the younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of my property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. And after a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. Yeah, and we talked about it in a previous program that, uh, you know, selfishness is just that. It wants what it wants, and it wants it now. And so this kid demanded, you know, what he... he he, he knew better, mm-hmm. so he wanted what he wanted. He, he could manage it. So he goes into this far country, and he wastes his money on reckless living, and he spends everything he had. And then, of course, the Bible says that a severe famine spread over that country, and he was left without a thing. And so he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. And he wished that he could fill himself with the bean pogs that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. And then, of course, he comes to his senses. So, yeah, he comes to his senses. In other words, he has a moment of clarity, right? right? And uh, sometimes, sometimes we, we need a slap upside the head to get it. Sometimes a, we, you know, that's like, that's the best thing of all, right, is to see things in a new light. God will allow us to destroy ourselves enough to where we realize that we're, we're the problem. 
But he's always there to give us that clarity, yeah. always calling yeah. us. The Holy Spirit is always. So the young man, he leaves the pigs, and he heads home. He's weak, he's hungry, he's dirty, he's smelly, and he's thoroughly beaten. His misery has conquered his pride, and he hurries on to beg to be a servant at his own home. Right, and when when he was young and restless, the prodigal looked at his father as stern and severe. Yeah, and you know, we... Once again, we spoke about this, and I think we need to revisit this because we talked about restrictions, Mm -hmm. and you can look at them as restrictive, or you can look at them as therapeutic. Right. And and you know, just like an arm in a cast, you want to you want to keep that arm immobilized for a while till it can heal. It's restrictive, correct? But you don't want to leave your arm in a cast forever, right? Because then you'll lose the you'll lose the use of it. It'll atrophy, right? right? So restrictions are good for therapeutic purposes, mm-hmm, for healing, for healing purposes, or or for for growth. Mm-hmm. You know, like the walls of the playpen—they got to come down at some time. And the kid needs to be able to wander in the yard. Mm-hmm. But but we, so the the child in this or the or the young man in this parable doesn't seem to grasp that until it, after he's until gone it, all the way to the bottom right and then his now his conception of his father is totally different yep. and it's the same way with our relationship with God those who are deceived by Satan look as to God as hard and demanding yep we we judge God as as waiting and watching to criticize us and condemn us you know like a God with a clipboard just waiting to nail us. And if he finds a legal excuse to do so, he won't forgive us. But but that's not what happens in the parable, is it? No, it's not. And I love this. You know, the Bible says that God, when when the boy was still a long way from home, when when his father saw him, and his heart was filled with pity, and he ran, he threw his arms around his son, and he kissed him. And then the son begins, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer to be called your son. Okay, um, let's right here because the speech that the young man prepares, he he goes to the father. He, when he prepares his speech, he's going to go to the father and beg to become a servant. Right, right, That's right. And so he starts his speech. You know, I've sinned against you and and against God, and I'm no longer fit to be called your son. And then the father cuts him off. He won't let even let him ask to be a servant. Right, right. And he and and. He doesn't give him opportunity to ask, and he, he's his son, mm-hmm. and he wants him to be honored with only the best. Now, something happens when God comes into your life, comes into your heart. Mm-hmm. Something happens to your psyche, and you realize that you're a part of something bigger. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because this son, I don't think he realized how much the father loved him. The father coming, and he's doing all this stuff, and he's accepting him, right? Right. Now, you told me a while, a couple days ago, that mm-hmm. when, when, you know, when the people prayed, when you were in jail and mm-hmm. they paid, prayed, mm-hmm. something happened to you, and I had never thought about this the way you put it. What was it? Well, you, I, for, for the very first time in my life, I realized that I deserve to live. And? And that God loved me no matter what. And, you know, one thing that you you told me, too, was that you felt like you were worth something. Absolutely, like I deserved to live. Yeah. I knew all along that I was killing myself, that I, did, that I wasn't worth anything, and that's why I treated myself right. the way that I did. But at that point, I realized 
you know, that I was loved and that I was worth something. Precisely. Yeah. And it was it was that was that clarity that right. I've never had before. And so I don't know if you for me, if I had just gotten so far down to my bottom that I had broke all the my preconceived ideas about who I was and who about who God was were broken down and and I was able to receive that message from God because it changed my life completely. Yep. I have not used drugs since that point and it it was a daily thing all day long mm-hmm. that I had to do. That's who I was. That's who it, I became. Do you think it had a lot to do with your self-talk and your and your you just your, your general overall feeling about it, yourself if I'm worthless it's I it's thumbs up. I can treat right. myself like I'm and, worthless. And 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 that's that's how I programmed my mind. And the reality is, is that I still struggle with a lot of those things. But I have the knowledge of God's love for me and how He has changed my life so far. So that carries me through Overrides. those times. You can override those. Times. It can override those times. And you know, you've talked about rewriting the hard drive. Right. And and God is continually having to come in. You know, if you're out there and you're struggling with feelings of, of low self-worth inadequacy. or inadequacy or whatever it may be, is that you've got to, we've got to allow God to come in and rewrite those neural pathways so that we can see the truth about who he is and yeah. the truth about who we are. And that's why the picture of God in this parable, that's, that's it's, it's, so it's, imperative. An object, it's, it's an object lesson where just place yourself as that, as that son. right. Coming out of the pig, what is he wearing? He, I mean, he, you know, he hasn't and, showered. And he's you know? filthy and stinky and yeah. everything else. And and the father says, no one is going to see my son like this. And the father embraces yeah. him. Yeah, you and, know, and, you know. And so, just think, it's not your appearance or what you can do. It's none of that. And You're a son of or a daughter of God, and and that's it. And the and the most amazing thing is that Jesus is the one that told this story. Yeah, he told this story to people who were hurting and who were searching for relief, who who couldn't, you know, who were the downcast in society and had no hope. Yeah, and he said, "This is what your this is what your Father in heaven is like, and this is how He wants to treat you." Yeah, and you know, you see the three parables lined up: the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the and the lost son. Mm-hmm. And what does the sheep got to do? I mean, the, the, the just cry out, right? And 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 the shepherds, the shepherds will go there. through anything to get him as right. long as the sheep cries out. And the coin, it's it's got the image, the image on it, but it's just laying there, right? It's, and it, the it, dust and, and the and, dirt. And the woman is sweeping the and house searching and searching for it. and searching mm-hmm. and searching. And here, the father is looking down the road, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, let's pick the parable up because this is I, this is my favorite part. Here is is where the father calls to his servants, and he and he says, "Hurry!" Okay, that word right there, right? Hurry! Imperative. No yeah. one is going to see my son like this, and don't just go get a robe. Bring the best robe and put it on him. And the father, he, he's he's more worried about his son. And what his son is feeling right now, he's all beat up, he's all stinky, he's hungry. And so the first thing the father's going to do is make him look as good as he can. Right. Wow. To cover him and to, 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 yeah. Yeah, to to, to hide his nakedness, if you will. And then put a ring on his finger. Of course, that means he gets the bank account back. Right. That's symbolic. And shoes on his feet. Why? He's walking a new path now. Right. He's going to be walking with Jesus or walking with the Father, if you will. And then go get a prize calf and kill it. Let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, 
but he's now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the feasting and the celebration begins. What a picture. What a picture of of the 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 love what, what, of what sin does to a person and yet what what a love that's drawing that person back can do and how love will cover you know he doesn't he doesn't scold the son right he doesn't parade him around and say look at this is what he did with my money he doesn't do any of that right he hides his nakedness and he says you're still my son and there's nothing you're going to do to change that i love you there's nothing you're going to do to change that just this like the incredible. sheep that's gone astray he doesn't yeah. beat it back no. he picks it up he and he holds it, it close to him yeah. you know and carries doesn't him doesn't drive back it home with a whip right no so to the converted god doesn't appear as a tyrannical restless being but as a father longing to embrace his repenting sons and daughters this character of god is explained by the psalmist psalmist in Psalm 103:13, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that respect him. Yeah, you know, and and it's this is not a new um, idea or new concept. Right. It's all the way through the Bible. So in the parable, the father doesn't bring up the past, as we just mentioned, but by the father's actions, the son now has that sense somehow. Somehow he knows deep down that the past is forgiven. It's forgotten, blotted out forever, if you will. And simple but not easy. This is what God says to us. I have blotted out as a thick cloud your transgressions and as a cloud your sins. That's Isaiah 44, uh, verse 22. And that, of course, is a metaphor because we remember our sins. Right. God his, knows them. It's just not going to, they're not going to be bullets for his gun. He's not going to bring them up and use them against us. Right, because everybody knows David's sins. Everybody knows David's sins. They're David not gone. Sins. They're not blotted out. They're actually in written words, right? Yeah, right. And, but David lived like a man that had all of his sins blotted out of his life. Right. And and, and that's he what was we got to changed we, we, person. Yeah, we've got to come. It's no longer, I'm no longer that person. It's no longer that I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Right. And the Old Testament is full of, of God's mercy. It's, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will, rem- will remember their sins no more. So God doesn't have a problem with his memory. No. It's just it, that when his forgiveness is, is complete. Yeah, it's complete. Right. It's complete forgiveness. It's right. never to be brought up and right. used as ammunition. You know, well, you remember back when you did? No, that's not what forgiveness is. Right. Yeah. Isaiah 55, verse 7, let the wicked forget, forsake his way, the unrighteous man his, his thoughts, and let them return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And Jeremiah fifty twenty says, in those days and in that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none, and the sins of Judah, they shall not be found. And, you know, the danger with sin is even though God's not going to ever bring him up again, it's still history and it still does brain damage. Mm-hmm. And it's unless it's brought to God and dealt and dealt with, you know, repentance, confession, mm-hmm. um, and this is what makes 12-step recoveries so helpful because they, they actually, they parallel the Gospels in, in, in helping us to deal with the things that we've done in the past where we've harmed others and whatnot, um, they restore the mind. They help us to get right with our brothers whom we have offended or taken advantage of. Remember, the Bible says, pray for those who persecute us. 
we do these things and we live this way so that we can live with ourselves. Mm -hmm. You see, it's a way Mm -hmm. of cleaning up the mess. Mm -hmm. I think this is what the parable brings out the most for me is that God loves me no matter what. No matter what, I keep trying everything but him, and yet he still loves me. Right. You know? Just like the prodigal had tried everything. Tried, Solomon, Solomon tried everything. Solomon tried everything, right? So have you gotten to the place where you can no longer put anything between you and God? I think that's the question that we all have to ask yeah. ourselves. Is it, yeah. For me, I got too much me between me and God. Right. My opinion, my ideas, my self-will. Or our fears. Our fears. You know, yeah. our worries. Yeah. Um. You know, did we put, what else could we put in f- between us and God? Because if you think about it, and we talked about restrictions, you know, they're there for therapeutic reasons. The Ten Commandments weren't originally written with an authoritative spin. That happened in the translation from one language to the next and to the next. And this is why the first commandment simply says, Thou shall have no other gods before me. It's that there are consequences to not putting God first. Right. That's what the theme of the Bible is. Right. Is God is saying just if you put something in Romans chapter one describes people going after this, going after that, going mm-hmm. after that, and finally they've gone so far that God lets them go. Right. There are consequences for not putting God first. That's all it's saying. And in the first commandment, that's all it's saying. Right. Is thou shall have no other gods before me. If there there, you know, you can do whatever you want. But you've got to live with your consequences. Absolutely, but it, so that's why this par this parable is so reassuring of God's willingness to accept us no matter what right. we've done. So if there's anyone listening right now um, that's wandered away from God, we, just like the parable we can uh, that Isaiah says, um, "Return to your father's house." He invites you, saying, "Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee." You know, God is is there with open arms to take us back in. And you know what? There's times when even if I'm, I'm not, you know, doing drugs or alcohol, that I that I run off on a tangent on my own self-will. Mm-hmm. And it's and a you, daily surrender to come back to is. God and say, you know what? I need to get back to where you need me to be. Yeah, because that's, that's where I'm happiest. Yeah, spiritual growth is done by subtraction. Right. You know, by, by this surrender of self. You know, and I, I like when you said he... He invites you saying, return to me for I have redeemed thee, return to your father's house. That's Isaiah 44, 22. It's interesting because that Jesus with his prodigal son, could he have been referring to Isaiah there? Return right. to your father's house. Right, right. You see, so he, it's, not, it's not a new theme. Right, and it's, it could have been something the son, you know, remembered, that, yeah, you know, from yeah. his early teaching. Yeah, so don't listen to the enemy's plan, and don't hide from Jesus until you've made yourself better or till you're good enough to come to God. If you wait till then, you'll never come. Right. When Satan points to your filthy garments, just repeat the promises of Jesus. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out, John six thirty seven. Right. We tell the enemy that Jesus is the one that will cleanse me, and we can make the prayer of David our own prayer, saying, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. That's Psalms 51, 7. Yeah, the theme is all the way through the Bible. Like right. Jesus said, arise and go to your Father. He'll meet you a great way off. If you take even one step toward him in repentance, he will hasten to enfold you in his arms of infinite love. God will not force you to come back. Remember the lost sheep? The shepherd does not drive the sheep home with a whip, does he? And so, folks, if, that, if anything, the message for the 
in the prodigal story of the prodigal son. I think we'll get to the older brother in the next program, right? Because uh, we're going to have to wrap it up pretty soon here. But the message, of course, and like we've said on a lot of programs, that this Bible that we're reading is about God and how He can change people, and He's waiting for and us. He's waiting for us to simply surrender to Him, right? Give Him the okay. Say, come in. Come in, Lord. I've done a lot of damage to my brain. I've done, a, you know, I've I've made a lot. I want to be made well. I want to be made yes. well. And Jesus asked many people, right. "What is it you want? Do you want to be made well?" And they said yes. And He said, "Okay, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. I can help you with that. But only you can make that decision. He's not going to make it for you." Um, we're going to have to wrap it up again. So drop us a line: www.justasiamministries.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can call us also, 916-645-1297, um, and we've got some books we can send out to you, too. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.